Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Thursday, the 9th of March in London. Coming up today... Powell's pirouette. The Fed chief softens his tone on the size of a March rate hike. The prudent approach. Bank of England policymaker Swati Dingra cautions against raising rates further. The helping hand offered to arm. A UK regulator suggested significant changes to listings rules. EY partners split on the split. A less than mini cash injection and get back to the office on Monday. Those are today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus the wonder down under. Rookie traders earn $400,000 in Sydney's unlikely markets hub. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell has offered a softer approach on future rate rises. This after his hawkish comments on Tuesday sent markets into a frenzy. Speaking to US lawmakers during a second day of congressional testimony, the central banker made this concession. We have not made any decision about the March meeting. We're not going to do that until we see the, the additional data. The larger point, though, is that we're not on a preset path and that we will be guided by the incoming data and the evolving outlook. No decision has been made on this, but if the totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Powell's mildly dovish tilt signalling that officials will consider a 50 basis point increase at their March meeting alongside a 25 basis point hike. Now, the Bank of England's newest policymaker is warning against raising rates further. In her first public speech, Swati Dingra says that there are fears of the economy being damaged. It isn't that surprising that the energy and other imports have had broad-based impact on, the CP- on all CPI items, including services. So domestically generated inflation, we're still talking about something which is below three percentage points. We think, if anything, most of what we've done, the balance of it is very much skewed towards giving you a bigger number for domestically generated inflation because we want you to be conservative about it. Dingra's dovish comments come as Britain's monetary decision makers differ on how to support the economy. The Bank of England's December rate decision went three ways. Well, staying with the UK economy, Britain is set to avoid a recession this year, but we'll see sluggish growth. That's the forecast from one key business lobby group. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has the details. Better than expected household spending and corporate investment at the end of last year have seen an upgrade to forecasts for UK growth this year. According to the British Chambers of Commerce, the economy will 
will still shrink by 0.3% this year, but that's less bad than the 1.3% contraction it forecast just three months ago. Not exactly a stellar outlook, but better than the Bank of England's latest forecast. Meanwhile, Bloomberg has learned the Chancellor is weighing reforms to pension tax rules in his budget next Wednesday in a bid to cut the number of doctors quitting the NHS. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Now, the Financial Conduct Authority offered significant changes to its listing rules as part of an unsuccessful attempt to secure the IPO of ARM. Speaking to lawmakers, the watchdog CEO, Nikhil Ratti, said that they had done what they could to secure the chip designer's share sale. In any individual decision, there'll be many, many factors um, at play. And certainly in the case of ARM, we were aware, and the government indicated to us, that this was a company of national importance. um, And therefore, we engaged to look at our rules where there was a case for making um, modifications and where that evidence was uh, presented to us. Ratty, who was previously the CEO of the London Stock Exchange, also rejected arguments that listings rules have played a major role in the capital struggles to secure more IPOs. JP Morgan is accusing Jess Daly of concealing an inappropriate relationship with Jeffrey Epstein and vouching for the sex offender's character to keep him as a client. The bank filed a third-party complaint against its former CEO in a federal court in Manhattan in a sudden turn against its former private banking chief. JP Morgan is trying to recoup eight years of back pay from Staley, a figure of more than $80 million. Staley has consistently denied knowledge of Epstein's abuse. And Citigroup's Chief Financial Officer Mark Mason is warning that the Wall Street Chance trading revenue will probably drop compared with a year ago. More now from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. That was when Russia's invasion of Ukraine roiled markets and spurred client activity across the globe. Mason told investors at a New York conference, markets revenue is likely to fall by a percentage in the high single digits in line with current analyst expectations for the business. The bank's haul last year was helped by a 173% increase in commodities trading revenue. Mason says the firm still expects revenue for the year to climb as high as $79 billion. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. So those are our top stories this morning. Um, one story that caught my eye. If you're questioning your life choices on this cold, <laughs> cold and miserable winter, winter's morning in London, perhaps you might be interested to know that graduate traders in Sydney are earning as much as $400,000 um, down under, straight out of school. This is part of the story that our Patrick Winters is reporting this yeah. morning about how much firms in Sydney are uh, willing to pay Well, there traders. were a few catches to it, though. You do have to obviously have a maths and science background according to people familiar that that we've spoken to um yeah sydney's become this i mean perhaps an unlikely asia pacific hub but yeah it's apparently now a really quite big tech driven trading hub in in asia which i do think is um interesting also i i spotted though a bit closer to home the house price survey the latest of which from Ricks, I think it is quite interesting um, that despite the kind of interest rate challenges that we were just you know hearing about in terms of the Bank of England, there are flickers of life in the UK housing market, at least according to the latest survey of surveyors in Britain. Yeah, interesting to see that perhaps the housing market holding up better than had been expected, um, although the house price is declining in the latest survey from Ricks, um, the, the sign that in fact those higher mortgage costs 
you know, are, don't seem to be impinging on, on fu- the future picture anyway, um, at least looking at these latest numbers. So near-term expectations uh, expected to be subdued, but things looking like that we might see the decline in buyer inquiries moderating. That's what Tara Parsons from Rix is saying anyway. Um, so an interesting one to... Uh, to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I uh, want to dig into the commentary that we uh, had this morning. Hawkish comments from the Bank of England policy, Catherine Mann, um, those came earlier this week, have been followed now by these more dovish comments from Swati Dingra, who has warned against further interest rate rises, saying that it could actually damage a weak UK economy. This comes as we get more hints as to what the Chancellor is expected to announce in next week's budget. Our UK correspondent, Lizzie Burden, of course, is here with Lizzie, what was your key takeaway? Because these comments, of course, um, were uh, at a panel event at the Resolution Foundation yesterday. You were there in person, so you you heard from Swati Dingra. What did you take away from that panel? Well, as you know, Swati Dingra has already voted to keep interest rates on hold twice. Mm. And she said that she'd do it again because over-tightening risks denting the economy. Now, we're going to get more data on GDP tomorrow, but the latest survey from the British Chambers of Commerce, as Ewan told you there, suggests that the UK is going to sputter along below pre-pandemics until late next year. And even though inflation's in double digits, Dingra's point was that the hawks are too focused on domestically driven uh, inflation, in other words, wage and profit growth, when actually, because she's the trade expert of the committee, she showed that actually much of our inflation problem in the UK is still imported. And she was emphasising that because of the lag, the time lag in monetary policy, the jumbo hikes the bank's already done are still filtering through. And actually that chimes with what the committee's two former arch hawks have told us in the past week here at Bloomberg. So Michael Saunders told us on the UK Politics podcast, Caroline, that it's time to ease to 25 basis points. And even Andy Haldane uh, told our colleague Tom Rees that the bank needs to, quote, tread cautiously ahead. So there is a dovish wind in the air, even among the hawks. Okay, uh, we are two weeks away from the next Bank of England decision. How do we square this dovish wind, as you put it, Lizzie, out of the Bank of England with the hawkishness we're getting out of other central banks like the Fed and the ECB? It's a good point because off the back of the other central banks' hawkishness, at one point yesterday, traders were fully pricing a 5% peak in the UK from the Bank of England for November. So it's strange, isn't it? And Mm. this is something I did discuss with Swati Dingra. You could look at it as it is um you could look at it as the uk has the worst of both worlds you've got the tight labor market of the us Mm -hmm. and the energy price spike of europe and then you could conclude therefore if we're in the middle of this venn diagram we should be doubly hawkish but her argument was that there are huge differences even between say germany and france and the us is far more consumer driven than the uk and she says she's not so concerned about a further potential drop in sterling against the dollar which contrasts to catherine mann the hawk of the committee who, as you say, we had on Bloomberg TV this week, because Dingra showed that most of our imports aren't actually priced in dollars. And so this is the way you can have a three-way split on the committee when economists are looking at the same data, sitting next to each other, and yet reaching such different conclusions. Yeah, that is very interesting, isn't it? Okay, um, so how does the kind of how does this square with the government? I suppose we've got the big 
spring budget, of course, next week from Jeremy Hunt. What do we think might be in it? Well, it's kite flying season, Caroline. Yes. I wouldn't believe everything you read in the papers. Uh, it's the season for the government to tell the newspapers things that might happen, gauge the reaction and then tone up or tone down the policies for the actual budget. So the Financial Times reports that the government's drawing up plans to loosen immigration rules to try to plug some of the holes in the labour force that we've been talking about for months, especially in the construction industry. I have to say, speaking to people who are close to the Chancellor's thinking, it's going to be very difficult to get a policy like that past the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, whose wing of the party, of course, the Prime Minister, needs to tread carefully around, given the Windsor framework still in the pre-vote stage. Mm. But I do understand that there's going to be a focus in the budget on the labour market, in activity in the labour market, including tweaking the benefit and pension systems to try to nudge people back into work. And Bloomberg's, of course, already reported that there's going to be extra defence spending, £360 million to make Britain a science superpower, but no planned corporation tax, uh, cancellation of the planned corporation tax rise. Mm. Meanwhile, Labour today is expected to pledge to set up a modern childcare system, something we've been talking about on the UK Politics podcast. And this, of course, is an issue that's climbed up the agenda, so Labour's spotted an opportunity. We're expecting to hear from the Shadow Education Secretary Bridget Philipson today announcing more funding for childcare between parental leave until children finish primary school. But when I was at the Resolution Foundation yesterday, interestingly, there was some scepticism among economists about the degree to which better childcare provision will actually encourage more people into work beyond encouraging people, working parents who are already working, to work more. Okay, Lizzie Burden, thank you very much for talking us through all of those parts of that story. Up next, EY Partners split on the split, a less than mini cash injection, and get back to the office on Mondays. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. 
And Bluebeg Leanne Gerns is back with us this morning. Uh, Leanne, you've got the Times, a headline, EY split plan on the brink of collapse. We've been following this story. Yes, we have indeed, Caroline, and good morning to you. Yes, so global accounting and consultancy giant Ernest & Young's plan to split its audit and consulting business is now said to be on the brink of collapse, according to the Times. Senior partners did meet for this big crisis meeting which happened over in New York last night. This plan has been dubbed Project Everest, probably give you a hint at how big it is, and it's now said to be on pause while issues between different factions are resolved. Now, reporting from Bloomberg says that the breakup is being reshaped, but it's still on track, so in line with really what The Mm. Times is saying. The complex deal spans independent affiliates in 75 countries, so it's absolutely massive and will require the firm to split up its buildings and technology as well as its clients. Now, this is also at the top of the FT stories today and it says EY pausing its plan to split mm-hmm. in two and this is amid fierce partner infighting over the fate of its tax experts. Yeah, well, of course, we had Andy Baldwin, who's the global managing partner at EY on only a few weeks ago, end of Feb. He said the breakup was inevitable and I had thought it was also really interesting that he told us that China was not one of the countries where this split would happen. But he said that the breakup was inevitable because there's so much regulatory pressure on the big four. So I can understand that there's a spat, but I can't imagine the deal is not going to happen. But anyway, that's pure speculation. We'll we'll have to see where it goes next. Leanne, let's go to the Telegraph next. BMW announcing a £500 million upgrade for mini plant amid race for electric cars. Yes, indeed. So BMW is preparing to invest hundreds of million pounds to continue producing the mini near Oxford. Now, this is triggering speculation that BMW now plans to restart electric production here in the UK. This comes after the collapse of British Volt which was only planned independent battery maker in the UK. The electric future of the British car maker has now been thrown into doubt. Yesterday, Sky News broke the story and said it understands some £75 million will come from this big government Mm. grant to get electric production up and running in the country. We know electrification is critical for the UK and overall vehicle production here has completely slumped. Aston Martin and Bentley can import batteries without customs penalties, but Toyota and Mini, together with Nissan and Jaguar Land Rover, which make most of Britain's cars, have yet to unveil this big local battery plant. And now Labour is promising to invest £30 billion in electric vehicle manufacturing. And if that's if they are elected. Still a year and a half away, though, however, from a general election as it stands at the moment. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. Labour's getting in there when they see an opportunity to throw in a kind of policy idea and electrification is a big one after British Vault. Uh, The FT just lastly headlining Lloyds of London chief wants traders in the building. Get back in on a Monday. I love this. Um, Speaking to the FT, John Neal, the CEO, said Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays are busy but we need to get Monday back. His plan is to get brokers and underwriters on the trading floor four days a week back in to ensure face-to-face trading continues to thrive here in London and that's all post the COVID era that we went through. And the Lloyds of London CEO 
you know, really acknowledge the debate has gone on and on about hybrid working and working mm. from home. But he really wants face-to-face trading okay. to remain part of a massive mix when it comes to the company. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.